It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Friday, December 24th, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. This is your host, Kyle Krabs. We have some news. Uh, The New Orleans Saints have had their first and second string quarterbacks placed on the reserve COVID-19 list, which means Miami is currently in line to face rookie quarterback Ian Book on Monday Night Football. Additionally, Joe Rose joins the show to talk a little Dolphins football. So without further ado, let's dig in here on this Christmas Eve edition of Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? And welcome to this Friday edition of Locked on Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. And today's episode is brought to you by On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL. And it is the only place to score a once in a lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of today. And boy, oh boy, are you going to be glad you did today? Because I'll tell you what, Joe Rose on today's show brings a number of phenomenal Dan Marino stories to the table. And it's a really, really fun conversation. You guys are going to love it. But before we get there, we do have. Monday Night Football on our hands, and we do have the opportunity to potentially face another rookie quarterback. And that quarterback would be Ian Book of the New Orleans Saints. The news breaking midday on Thursday that the Saints are preparing to start Ian Book against the Dolphins with Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon going on the reserve COVID-19 list amid the NFL's amended schedule for testing and and testing for COVID. Uh, It remains to be seen whether or not Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, would end up clearing the protocols and would be eligible to come back and play. But I will say this. The Saints' original starting quarterback is Jameis Winston. He's out for the year. Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon have each started a quarterback. And that's not an ideal place for anybody to find themselves in the midst of a stretch run to the playoffs. Um, there, There is not a lot to know at this point in time as of Thursday afternoon as far as what the timetable is going to be, but the Dolphins got a bit of good news of their own in this regard when it was reported that Thursday saw the return of Javon Holland 
from the reserve COVID-19 list. He was back at practice on Thursday. So every player that was on the active roster for the Dolphins that missed the Jets game because of their own bout with COVID-19 is now back in action. The Saints are a team that's trending in the other direction. They had a couple of tight ends go on this list, and now they have two quarterbacks that are on this list. And from my perspective, you never want to hope that somebody is unable to play. But I'm not going to feel bad about the conditions for Miami if they get in and the Saints are greatly at a disadvantage because Miami had their own hard luck this season, right? They watched their quarterback miss effectively four full games in the first month of the season. They had some bad breaks, some bad bounces, some bad calls. You think about the call against Jacksonville. You think about the call against Atlanta. Some rough bounces for Miami. And if it all comes full circle and law of averages weighs itself out and Miami gets some fortunate bounces as far as player availability here at the end of the year, you can acknowledge that. But me, as somebody who, who has an affinity for the Dolphins, I'm not going to feel bad about it. I hope everybody's okay. I hope everybody's back ASAP. But I'm not going to come in and let my excitement for this game and for the opportunity to get a win be watered down by the Saints not being at full strength. And they very well may end up being at full strength. There is enough wiggle room in the protocols as currently is. But some of the wording, uh, including that from Ian Rappaport, stood out to me. Ian Rappaport's initial report was, the Saints are starting Ian Book this weekend, per me and Tom Palacero. With Trevor Simeon out, Taysom Hill is also going on the reserve COVID-19 list. That phrasing doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room. And I don't know what their vaccination status is, so maybe they're not even eligible regardless. But Ian Rappaport's tweet from noon on Thursday was that the Saints are starting Ian Book this weekend. I don't think that's something that should necessarily be overlooked. And for Miami, it absolutely changes things. Ian Book is an athletic guy. But he's not the size mismatch that Taysom Hill was that really presented some challenges in the quarterback run game. Ian Book's a tough guy, but he's not a big guy. And he's not experienced at all. He's never attempted a pass before in the NFL. And you could say, well, you know, if he comes out and plays with nothing to lose and he, he understands the system, maybe that's an advantage for the Saints. But if I'm Miami, I say, okay. We know you guys got a lot of really skilled players in the running game. We're going to crowd the box. We're going to dare you to beat us 30 yards downfield. You don't have Michael Thomas. We're going to play press coverage on the outside, and we're going to dare you to throw bucket shots downfield, a low percentage throw. We're going to dare you to be, make it at a high level. That's what I would do. That's absolutely what would change for me. And then that's not necessarily something I wouldn't have done with Taysom Hill anyway. But at the very least, the presence of Taysom Hill and his experience, I think, has more on the table and puts you in more conflict. We shall see. One thing you guys are also going to have to wait and see is if Santa swings by with some Built Bars for Christmas. Built Bars, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, 
filled with so much holiday goodness, rich and decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, but high in protein. You get the best of both worlds. People are super passionate about their favorite flavors, however, so don't be showing off your Built Bars on Saturday morning because somebody may end up coming to fisticuffs and trying to fight you for them. So tell Santa to throw a few Built Bars in those stockings, perhaps a variety box, and make sure you are locked and loaded for the holidays. You can go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your next order. That is Built.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order the world's most delicious protein bar. Nobody plays daily fantasy sports to lose. Winning feels so much better, but traditional fantasy sports are a long-term losing proposition because you never know who or what you're up against. Stat here is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup where winner takes all. And here's the crazy part. Stat here shows you their lineups before you play and you handpick the team you want to face one-on-one. This never-before-seen innovation of a fantasy sports and sports betting hybrid as Stat Hero players clocking odds that are over four times better because you don't have to compete against thousands of experts and unknowns. Stat Hero puts you in control of your own fate. With Stat Hero, you are in control of the stakes. You decide how much you're going to play for and Stat Hero has no choice but to take it because they're daring you to beat them. Stat Hero head-to-head is what daily fantasy sports should be one-on-one. You can sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. We are joined here on the show by our dear friend, Joe Rose, Dolphins legend, Joe Rose, and certainly locked on Dolphins legend, Joe Rose. So, Joe. <laughs> Cool, Merry sir. Christmas to you. Hope you're doing well. How are things going? Kyle, I'm doing great, brother. Thank you so much. Right back to you and your family and, and everybody watching our podcast that uh, they have a great holiday and may the Dolphins win another one. Right. Well, we'll get through the holiday before they have to play. And I guess that's the first thing I'd be interested in asking you. And I, I don't know, you know, through your experiences with the teams, how many times you've had a situation that, that kind of mirrors the way that this works. but I'm kind of thinking about the psychology of playing on Monday night football, right? And it's week 16. Everybody's playing before you. So you're going to go into this game on Monday night. You're going to have a real clear understanding of what, what's at stake. What's the, what opportunity is there for the taking for you? How do you think Miami can benefit, if at all, from coming into the game on Monday night, knowing what the conference field looks like and balancing that out with the Dolphins on a weekly basis, talking about we're trying to get better today. We're trying to be want to know this week. Right. Well, listen, it's a great question. And uh, first of all, I love the fact we're playing Monday night football. Nobody's flat on Monday night football. You know, everybody's watching. You're usually the only game on a Monday night in normal circumstances. And, and the other thing you brought up is the, is the game on Thursday, the two games Saturday and all the games on Sunday. And by the way, it was like the NFL was almost able to do a little pre-playoff look here for us with some of these matchups. Teams that are eight and six, seven and seven, teams playing for a top seed, teams trying to get in, especially in the AFC where this thing's wide open. So the Dolphins, as you said, are going to be going to bed on Sunday night, getting a good night's sleep, and they're going to be going, wow, we know where we stand. And if we win, how many teams are we going to be able to jump over? In the in the when you look at playing against 
the teams you've already played, conference record, all that stuff that's going to come into play. So I think it's really exciting. I love the situation. I'm not worried about that thing. I was a little concerned about the Jets coming out of the bye week right off the bat. And sure enough, you're down 10 nothing. I was concerned about that. Yep. Um, I was concerned that they watched what the Saints did to the Jets and and you're getting ready to play them. And, and, and all of a sudden you've won all these games. And even though people probably go, when you lose seven straight, how, how can you go into a game like that? But they really picked it up and, and they did what they were supposed to get that win. But I love this whole scenario that, that they're going into with what you threw out there. You're going to know exactly where you stand when you go to bed Sunday night. And, uh, and you got Monday night football on the road. And, and by the way, everybody's talking nationally. Like, all right, Dolphins, you're back to seven and seven, but some of the wins you've won, I'm not real impressed with. The, the Texans and the Jets and Carolina was eh. Um, so, so show me now with the last three opponents you have, starting with the Saints, who have two very impressive wins, including one of the best three wins in the National Football League, shutting out Tampa Bay on the road. Yeah, and the dynamics of this game seem to have shifted as of yesterday afternoon when the news broke that not just Trevor Simeon, but also starting quarterback Taysom Hill going into the reserve COVID-19 list and protocols. And it's been reported by a lot of the heavy hitters that the Saints are expecting to have to start rookie quarterback Ian Book on Monday Night Football against the Dolphins. When you look at the matchup between Miami and New Orleans and you take that into account, how does that change your expectation for how Miami potentially plays the game? And how does that change potentially Miami's approach on both sides of the ball? If indeed this quarterback change, you know, presents some barriers for New Orleans being able to consistently move the football. Well, I think they're definitely, you know, I mean, as of until today, when they found out they're, they're getting ready for Taysom Hill. And oh, by the way, there's still a couple of days left, although with a break in so late in the week, I don't expect he's going to play. But it changed a little bit. Taysom Hill's a physical running quarterback who plays a lot of different positions. And, and so um, I think once you get inside the red zone, he runs a lot. And it, it adds a new dimension to your running game as well as rolling out and throwing all the stuff that they like to do. But if Ian Book is starting, um, you get him in third and long situations and you give him a ton of different looks like we did last week, like we've been doing during this winning streak. Um, your pre-snap's going to show you, it looks like everybody in the building's on the line of scrimmage, right? It's going to look like 13 guys on the line of scrimmage. And then all of a sudden, it, it could end up being anything. You could blitz, you could back out into coverage. Um, you and I were talking before about Javon Holland coming back. I call him the greatest of the actors uh, on that team. And so in all the different things he can do, it just this really plays into uh, for a Dolphin defense playing against a young quarterback who just doesn't have a lot of experience. And you've really got to take advantage of it. And the, the one thing you can't do, you can't be soft against the run where the quarterback doesn't have to. You, you got to make the quarterback be an NFL quarterback and not just hand the ball off. And next thing you know, we're, next time you and I are talking, going, wow, the Saints ran for 195 yards. That'd be the only problem I see, especially with them potentially getting both those tackles back. I'm yeah. sure they've already talked to the big guys and said, fellas, we got to be able to run the football. We got to keep it in third and manageable. We got to get a lot of first downs running the ball. We got to be able to get physical against the Dolphins front seven. 
Well, and what's interesting about what you're mentioning, and I agree with everything you said about how Miami needs to play, regardless of who's playing quarterback, whether it is Taysom Hill or Ian Book, or the first time we really saw them pull that out this season was against a guy who just got voted to the Pro Bowl in Lamar Jackson, and they made him look like not a very high level quarterback. So you have to be excited about your your potential to kind of disrupt the flow of the game if you're able to bring that same level of disruption against a guy who's more mobile than Ian Book is. And Lamar Jackson is more electric and faster than what what Taysom Hill is. But I wanted to ask you, you mentioned uh, Javon Holland coming back. And I just mentioned that we had the Pro Bowl rosters that were announced and Javon Holland wasn't on that list. And I just wanted your thoughts. I kind of felt like that was a snub, you know, and I understand rookies coming in. There were only a handful of rookies that made the list. Creed Humphrey, the center from Kansas City, has been phenomenal this year. He didn't make it. Uh, Jamar Chase made the list. Kyle uh, Pitts made the list with with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, uh, Rayshon Slater from the Chargers made the list, but we didn't. And Micah Parsons made the list, but we didn't. We didn't see anybody from the Dolphins of this really exciting trio of rookies. But no, I really would have guessed that Javon Holland would have been the one that had the best resume of the rookies. I'm curious if you agree with that, and if you do think it's a snub or not. I didn't look at um, Kyle as a snub, and I'll tell you why. You lose seven straight games, and you gave up big numbers to start the season. And there weren't a lot of guys that started the season playing really well. That really dominated the way they have during these numbers. Um, I know the Dolphins sent me for the game the numbers in the last six or seven games defensively. Ridiculous. Ridiculous numbers. One, two, three, and almost every category. Crazy good numbers. But listen, the Pro Bowl's really for the whole season, to be fair. Um, I feel like we got a lot of guys knocking on that door, just need to keep playing. Um, and we were kind of late getting it back to seven and seven, let's be honest, and, and all the other things. So I understand we got a lot of guys playing well. Um, I'm not looking as a bad team, only Xavier Howard making the Pro Bowl. I think there's a lot of guys really, really close. I think there's a lot of guys, if they play this game, that won't the, the Pro Bowl, excuse me, um, that won't be playing. And we're going to have some reserves get in there, some alternates get in there and, and get a chance to play in that game. But, uh, yeah, I didn't look at it. I Honestly, I looked at it and said, Xavier Howard's the one guy. I, I didn't have a problem with, with anybody else. There's a lot of guys putting up big numbers. Some of it, there are a few guys really didn't deserve to be on there. Uh, in my opinion, didn't have good enough numbers, got in a little bit on reputation for what they've done in the past. And, and I get it. There's always going to be two or three of those guys. But, but um, hey, listen, I might just motivate guys a little bit more if they did feel like, wow, I, I think I'm better than that guy. we got a Monday night football game, fellas. Show us. Right. Keep showing everybody. Bet Online has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl season and to the pro football playoffs. Bet Online is your number one spot for all of these sports action this season and every season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKED ON. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, Right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage for the amazing av- offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available. Bet online, where the game starts. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, One of the big talking points this week for a lot of Dolphins fans was uh, Tua Tagovailoa won angry runs on Good Morning Football, and they sent the the little prop that comes along with that down to the facility, and Tua had it with him during his press conference. And uh, I wanted your thoughts, not necessarily on the prop or winning angry runs or anything like that, but the run, it's the play itself. You know, we we all know the adversity that Tua worked his way through at the beginning of the season with getting injured and the trade rumors that persisted all the way through the trade deadline and getting a chance to watch him being mic'd up for the game and and hearing some of the interactions that he had with some of his teammates before and after that play. What do you take away from what plays like that? Not necessarily that individual play, but plays like that or plays. I don't remember what game it was, but, he put a move on a guy down in the red zone and tried to run somebody over. I think it was the Atlanta game, too. What do plays like that do for a quarterback who's trying to prove that he can be the man for a team? Well, I, I look at what he did. I thought of Ryan Fitzpatrick right away. Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. got that offensive line, and guys are sprinting over to him and long drives, and they're running in the end zone, whether they were down 10 or up 10, and going to him. And, and, and listen, those guys see your guy getting physical – those offensive linemen, they feed off that kind of stuff. The defense sees that. You know, I didn't think it's great. I think he's getting this team. that They're they're supporting them. They're getting behind them. Um, we're past the hype now. All right, man, we know where you're from, what you've done at Alabama. Show us. And, and I think he's doing that. I'm seeing more leadership. I see when he gets frustrated when one of his guys, a couple of games ago, Austin Jackson jumped off sides. He was mad, man. He let him have it. He looked right at him. And it's, you know, and I was like, it's about time, man. It's good. This is your second cheer. You know, you've gotten more than a year of starts now going. Um, so I think, you know, now it's just physically, he's got to cut down on those two or three mistakes. His last game was not his best of this long run of wins. Um, and he knows he's got to play better. It's got to be played better because we're going to play against better defenses through these last three games. But but I but I do like what he did. Run over. I think a little of that was frustration because he wasn't playing well in that game. But boy, it just you get everybody around you going. It, it picks everybody up. Um, little Duke Johnson, like you know, Duke, yeah. making some physical runs. Man, the crowd got into it. Um, he's bouncing off guys. Second effort for another three or four yards, and those offensive linemen go, man, this guy's running hard. We're going to keep blocking hard for this guy. We got a big one coming today. So one of the popular things from last week when you were on was when you shared some of the insights from meeting Jim Kick and the Shula playbook and all that kind of stuff. And wanted to ask you, since you kind of went down that rabbit hole a little bit, talking about Tua and and showing some fire and and kind of energizing the team and, and kind of making everybody else around you on the team kind of realize like, oh, okay, like 
He's got a little something to him. There yeah, it is. We haven't seen that. Yeah. When do you remember any instances with Dan that were like that, like a moment where you saw him do something, whether it was at practice or in a game and not even running the ball, but just like anything that he might've done that kind of had everybody kind of perk up and say, Oh, okay. Like there it is. There, there's a couple of, if you've got the time, because he was my roommate. And, um, and so I, I got to see it besides being in the huddle with him, And, and we, we had just gone to a super bowl. Um, when we got Dan Marino, I mean, people forget David Woodley and Don Strzok where David Woodley was the starter Don Strzok cleaned up some of the messes that year. We went to the Super Bowl. So um, we get Marino, and it was the only time in my seven years there that David Woodley, we come back, and, you know, everybody's going, wow, that's kind of weird, you know? We, we did all right with our two quarterbacks, and we had almost the last pick in the first round. And so we're like, wow, we got this guy Marino, you know? And, and okay, he's got a big arm. I remember watching him on TV a little bit. So he came out within a couple of days and he was making throws, even though he didn't know what was going on, but he was making throws off just knowing the fundamental of routes post pattern. He could look and see how somebody, how fast somebody was and, and guys are going, Oh, you know, safety's in the middle safety's cheating over towards that post pattern or, you know, I don't know if that, Oh, okay. And he was getting away with throws that he wasn't supposed to, because he didn't understand the coverages yet. And I, I know what I thought looking and you start looking at the other guys and then our offense gets off to a bad start. And, and you know, David Woodley's thinking the same thing because he was my roommate at the time and he was coming back and, you know, things were up and down. He had his moments, but he got pulled out of a bunch of games and, and Strzok cleaned him up. Um, and so we were going through the whole thing and, and I could see his, like, everybody knows when somebody's really special, like it's yeah. no secret, the offensive line kind of look. And, and, and so, you know, the fans kind of see it. Um, he cleaned up a couple of games. We were getting beat. We weren't scoring points. We were putting them in in the second half and we're marching down the field. And now it's not like, well, we're just down and they're, they're playing a, a loose zone coverage uh, defense against us. People are watching the throws he's making in those games. And it was like everybody kind of went one day, all right, coach, Shula, how long is this before? You could see guys starting to think. And now nobody said it, but you could guys were going, and you you can't, you cannot play this guy much longer, man. Some of the stuff he's doing, it's just a matter of time. His confidence, whatever he lacked mentally, he made up with confidence. And throws he could make into coverages, you're not supposed to make them, which, by the way, was, was something he ended up being so good at. Three deep, and if he wanted to throw between the safety and the corner, he did because of strong arm and quick release. And, uh, and so we just made a living fundamentally on four or five plays. But I just saw him walk from day one, and everybody kind of took notice that he was making throws and doing things that the other guys couldn't do. And, um, and that leads me to, Another story. Very confident guy, just like yeah. he is today. He's always been that way. We got out. We were playing uh, the Baltimore Ravens at the time, uh, Baltimore Colts at the time. So we we're playing on the old field and, and we get up in the morning. He opens a curtain. First thing it's cold. Look out. And he goes and it's snowing and it's windy and it's nasty. 
And he turns to me still in bed and he goes, man, get up, man. This feels like a four touchdown day to me. And, and it wasn't like joking or like, ha, ha, ha. And, uh, and we went down to breakfast, man, and we're sitting at the table and he kind of to all the receivers said the same thing, man, I love throwing in this stuff in the Northeast. Don't you guys like this? And he went out and had a huge game with Mark Clayton and Mark Duper. And uh, we won the game. And I just think, and so, you know, you get on the plane, you're with the other guys. And I go, you're not going to believe this idiot did in the morning. And I go, <laughs> go what did he do? I said, he got up and said he was going to throw four touchdowns, four touchdown passes. And he looked down and he saw it was snowing. And I'm going, snow? I'm from California, snow. And uh, he goes out and threw it like it was 75 and clear at the Orange Bowl. It was just uh, an amazing story of a guy full of confidence. Yeah. So I got, I mean, I got a lot of, obviously a lot of Marino stories and things he started saying to guys in practice, like fellas, you know, you can't beat a perfect throw and it's coming. Hey, what's it like not to have to get open and you know, you can still catch a football when I throw it. I mean, they were just classics. They came out in the huddle. They came at any time. Nobody was more at home on a football field than Dan Marino. Beautiful. As everything I was hoping it was going to be and more. So I appreciate you sharing some insights there on a quarterback winning over his team and his teammates. Uh, and obviously you know the way that that story ended. Day one after a team that just came up short in the second half of winning a Super Bowl, the Riggins run and, and all those things. We had the lead at the half. So we come on. Here comes this guy, man. <laughs> and he was confident day one. He knew they didn't bring him in to be like uh, to sit on that bench long. It is funny. I got to tell you one story, though. So he starts now. We come back and we play. Um, he gets his first start against the Buffalo Bills at the Orange Bowl. Now the crowd is jacked up. We haven't been scoring points. We've struggled a little bit. And he comes in the game. And Lyle Blackwood, one of the greatest of all time, prankster, timing on things he said, comes running over to him right before the kickoff. And they just finished the national anthem. And, I mean, we're getting ready to go, you know, the kickoff. and then. We're taking the field, you know, and he, Lyle Blackwood runs over to him real quick and he says, you realize if you don't play well, we're going to lose this game. <laughs> and he runs away before Marino can even have a reaction. And so he still tells that story. He says, so what do you remember about that first start? He goes, I'll tell you what I remember. Friggin' Lyle Blackwood at the end of his career playing safety comes over and says, hey, man. And, you know, it's packed. The Orange Bowl is always packed. He goes, if you don't play well, we're going to lose this game, man. Go get him. And he runs away. He didn't say good luck or anything. And that's how those guys were back then. And, and that was the one thing. He said he kind of chuckled and went out, had a great game. We lost. But the message was sent that day, like the future for the Miami Dolphins with a quarterback is all set. So I if got we, carried away. Look what I just did. No, just no, 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 no. The whole thing with Marino I, story. I, I thought about just turning my microphone off and, and seeing if you were going to come up with, with I'm more sorry. for us. I'm but done. No, I, I love it. And, and you know, I, I was born in 89. So to get the, the stories of what that era of Dolphins football is like, I know I speak for a bunch of listeners on this show. I love hearing that era of Dolphins football because that's, that's what the history and the legacy of this team and franchise between the seventies and the eighties is really built upon versus what we've ignored the, the last 20 years and the hardships that has come along with it. 
Well, I know what a confident quarterback looks like just from being in the huddle with that guy and the things he said in the huddle. Um, if our defense was banged up or or something, he said, boys, we need to score every time we have the ball today, so get ready to play some extra football. And just the way he talked in the huddle, made, he, he made you feel like, he made me feel like I was a Pro Bowl tight end. That's how he made everybody feel that way because he just, he saw that they want a blitz. That's all right. They want a blitz. That's fine. See, I'll zip it right over his head on a blitz breakoff. We got it. And I was like, okay. All right, man. Wow. <laughs> it was awesome. If we, um, if we try to shift and, and overlay what Miami had so much success with then with Dan, with a young quarterback and what we current, the picture we currently have and what Miami has tried to accomplish as far as complementing Tua Tagovailoa's skill sets. As you look at this team, is there any, is there any one individual piece that you feel like could really help unlock the next level of Tua's potential as a player to really help him build that confidence, which has been something that probably was impacted throughout the course of this summer and the early part of this season. But, you know, if you could add one piece of the puzzle at any dynamic, whether it was a coach or a player, what do you think would be the most important thing for Miami to really put under a microscope and ask themselves some questions about what they currently have? Yeah, that's a great question, by the way. And while you were just, you were asking me that question, I was just thinking, so, so I, I still feel like the coaching staff and the coordinators are um, still torn between how good our offensive line is and how much they're willing and how long they're willing to let Tua hold the ball. Because obviously, I would like to shorten all the – throwing all these short routes and, and have a mindset, fellas, we want to throw the ball down the field. we still got guys sitting too much on our short stuff. Mm -hmm. And we've got to be able – to get down the field more. And, and that would be the one thing. Listen, it's worked so far for the most part, all the short routes and a little bit on the outside. But but we still need more explosive plays. I think Tua's got the arm strength and, and, and those type of things to do it. I think some of it's play calling, to be fair, and play calling because they're looking. And my gut feeling is they may deny this. They still don't have a lot of confidence in the offensive line on how much time they're going to give Tua back there to throw the football. And they do it. Once we get running the ball, you can play action and you can buy a little bit more time that way. But um, I would just like instead of all the short passes to, to just get it down the field a little bit more than we're doing. And I'm talking corner routes and takeoffs and deeper cross crossing routes, not, not the short crossing stuff at five and six yards, but the stuff by the time you catch it, you're at almost 20 yards. As you run across, you get deeper. Um, those type of things. I would I would like to see more of that and keep attacking down the middle of the field um, with your tight end is still still always a good play. Anything in the middle of the field. So so that would be the biggest thing that, that I'd like to see. And I just think every week the coaches get a little bit more confidence in the offensive line, but not enough to really give it a green light, we can do anything we want now. I don't know if you agree with that. So what did you think of the two throws down the field, the one to Devontae for 37 and the one to Isaiah Ford 
uh, for 27. That was a third down play to Isaiah in the slot. The one with Tua or the one, the one with Devante uh, was a really nice kind of three level stretch where you're reading that thing high to low and throws. Did, does, does a really nice job. So how do you, how do you balance finding the right time to take those shots? Because I yeah. remember week one, Jalen Waddle ran the slot fade against New England and Tua hooked it up for a 30 something yard game. Right. And then I don't think we've seen him connect on a, a fade since. No, we haven't. And, and at some point we do, you, you know, the one route quietly, we have not completed very much at all. And we've done a good job. Those are both corner routes. You're talking about perfectly. Well, especially the one that Devonte Parker was dropped in perfect. The other one, Isaiah helped him out a little bit with making a nice catch, but Hey, listen, that route is out there by itself. And, and I like that we're throwing that, but at some point we got to be able to complete some takeoffs where we're a go route or a, used to be called the 90 route, a nine route, just, we called it 90 go where you just stutter out and up, but you're one-on-one, whether it's bump and run or the guys playing off and get some separation and just throw it down the field more. And we've done that with Devonte Parker a little bit. He's made some nice catches off of it, but uh, you'd like to see more of that from some other guys. And we haven't seen it, as you said, since the opener with Jalen Waddle on that specific route. Well, we'll see if uh, Monday night has that in store for us, uh, but that's going to do it for us here entering into the holiday weekend. Joe, again, I want to wish you and your family, your loved ones, a very Merry Christmas. And thank you for the time on a Friday to, to sit down and talk a little Dolphins football. Man, I love doing this with you. You know that. It was fun. I love telling stories because uh, you got great people out there. And uh, it's always great being with you. You do such a good job, man. It's, it's fun to be with you. And I always love talking about our team. So thank you. Hope everybody has a great holiday as well. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. We got one more show. It's coming on Monday before Monday Night Football Dolphins Saints. Thanks, as always, for listening. Fins up and keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked on NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.